Welcome to But Jesus Drank Wine and other stories that kept us stuck. I'm Mead. And I'm Christy. In this podcast, we'll explore the stories that kept us, well, stuck, wanting to drink and not wanting to drink all at the same time. Join us as we show you that freedom from alcohol does not have to mean a life sentence of misery and missing out, but actually means living an authentic life full of peace, joy, and purpose. We are so honored and we're so blessed and we're so excited to have our friend Sam in the pod studio today. (laughs) Sam is amazing. She was one of my very first clients and I just, I'll never forget our discovery call, babe. And I just remember so much of what, what you said, like landing and hitting home and it felt like you were inside my head. <laughs> we're saying about being a, a young mom and and all of these things. And so I'm just so happy to have you here today and tell your story. Sam lives in the suburbs of Philadelphia. She has a three-year-old daughter and an eight-month-old <laughs> little boy who is, I mean, they're both cute, but there's, I just, I remember when you were pregnant with him. Anyway, um, so she's got two little kiddos and she works in the beverage kind of marketing and business development like areas. And she held a job for a long time in a big alcohol brand. So we're going to hear from her on her story and how she broke free and found freedom from alcohol. But then what we really want to talk about as well is because it's October, it's actually the last one of the last days of October, when <laughs> but we're slipping it under under the under the gun here for October breast cancer awareness and what you experienced working in the big alcohol industry with pink washing and all of that stuff of big alcohol trying to bait and switch us to believe that they are supporting a disease that alcohol causes, which is yeah. nuts. So without further ado, welcome <laughs> I, again. I'm trying so hard to keep it mouth shut, Christy, on that, you know, jump it. What you just like? This topic of the the pink washing, but we will get to that in time. First, I'm yeah. excited to hear Sam and get to, get to know Sam's story. Yeah, Thanks, tell ladies. us how it all started and how you got to get on the phone with me. Yeah, of course. I didn't really drink much in high school. I was super involved in like a youth group. So I was hanging out with my friends and going to church and doing youth group stuff. I drank once and just like didn't really care for it. And then that all sort of changed when I went to college. I went to like a Big Ten party school. And from my first day there, it was sort of heavy drinking. It was like football games and every weekend and party, party, party. I think it was sort of because like I didn't experiment at all in high school. When I got there, it was all very new to me. I was sort of trying to find where I fit in and meet new friends. And I sort of just fell into this group of really, really heavy drinkers. It continued throughout college. I actually like uh, had some trouble a couple of different semesters due to alcohol-related issues. But then towards like my junior and senior year, I kind of found a degree that I liked and started going to class. And I was still drinking and partying, but school actually sort of took a priority there. And I so I finished and didn't really think there was any issue because, hey, I graduated. I was getting good grades. I got a job, et cetera, et cetera. Upon graduation, you know, I started a career, still drinking. And then, yeah, the next couple of years went by. I met my husband who drank when I met him, but not that heavily. And then he met me and started drinking a little bit more. I was sort of the one that was always like, let's go out. Let's do this. 
yeah, years and years go by. I think I went through periods during that time where I knew that this wasn't, it was always like an uncomfortable feeling. I'd go months and months, but then one Sunday morning I'd wake up and just be like, what is, what am I doing? What is this? But then months and months would go by and I wouldn't have it again. But then the last couple of years of, of my time in the drinking cycle, it was more often. It was like almost every day that I had that uncomfortable feeling. And then I got pregnant with my daughter. That was in 2019. So I stopped drinking. I remember thinking like, this is so easy. You know, I must not have a problem because I'm pregnant now and I have no issues, you know, being sober. Then I had my daughter in May of 2020. So two years into the pandemic. So March of 2020 is when the world went into lockdown. I was seven months pregnant. So then when I had her, I was sort of alone. You know, my I couldn't have anybody come over. My mom didn't want to come over. I was really scared. I think I fell into that habit that we all do of like doom scrolling. So I was just sitting at home with this new little baby reading about all the horrible things that were happening in the world. And I was just oh, so scared. Oh, yeah. And I yeah. just like didn't feel any connection or I just, yeah, I was so... <laughs> I just felt really alone. I could cry just thinking about it, but looking back, I have a picture on my phone and the date is my daughter's nine days old and it's me hooked up to my breast pump with a beer. I just, yeah. <laughs> so that's sort of like when I started, I know I'm like telling two different stories, but when I, when I finally, you know, started coaching with Christy, I kind of like looked back in my timeline that's when it started to feel really uncomfortable. So I ended up drinking a couple more months um, with my daughter, but it started to get to the point that I just was like, my old life and my new life just don't fit together anymore. But for the first year of her life, I was definitely drinking because I didn't know what else to do for like me time and yeah. mom time. And I was at home with her and I was working and then I would get home and I would be like, what am I going to do for myself? Well, I'm obviously going to drink a bottle of red wine and while I fold the laundry because that's how I treat myself. That was sort of one of my big, you know, that was one of my big ones that we had to get rid of, but that was one of my big things. And then I still don't know how I came across Christy. I think one day I was sort of Instagram scrolling and I got connected. And so then, yeah, we met. I also, I feel like I just jumped ahead because I skipped the part about my career there for a little bit. But so... I worked in the restaurant industry out of college for six years and then got a job in wine and spirit sales. So I worked for a big supplier that's based uh, in France. I worked for three years in sales and marketing in the state of Pennsylvania. I'm going to try and keep brand names out of it, I guess, but yeah. um, it was my job. I would just, yeah, I would, you know, sell my product to a set number of clients I would help come up with different campaigns and different programs to push as much alcohol on um, patrons of my clients as possible. At first, this was the coolest job ever. I remember mm -hmm. calling friends and family and being like, you'll never guess what I get paid to do. Mm -hmm. I am going to sell tequila and vodka and wine and champagne, and it is going to be so much fun. This is like my dream job. I remember saying that, like, I can't believe I got this job. Like, I was so excited. But then, you know, a couple months in, I sort of saw this world that I wasn't used to, which was like heavy, heavy, heavy binge drinking. 
it was in every meeting. We would have meetings at eight o'clock in the morning and it would be like, okay, guys, we have a new scotch rolling out into the market. Let's all drink it. And it was like, oh my gosh, I don't ever want to drink scotch at all. That wasn't one of my drinks of choice, <laughs> let alone at eight o'clock in the morning. Um, <laughs> I know. I'm yeah. sorry. My face is saying it all. I'm like, wait, yeah. what? Balls are coming out of her head, guys. <laughs> so I think that's another time when I just, yeah, I, I was really into it, but that was, there was even parts then where I was like, this is just too much for me. But that's sort of, so when I ended up coaching with Christy and we were chit-chatting about that job, that's when it sort of came up, just the different campaigns. I don't remember. I know it came up at some point, the pink washing and the breast cancer and all that kind of stuff, but that's how it kind of came up when we talked about it. My grandmother is a breast cancer survivor and two of my aunts are breast cancer survivors. And I'll never forget. It was like, so after three years in the sales team, I sort of just had that, again, that uncomfortable feeling that like, this isn't for me. This isn't what I should be doing. So I started interviewing around. And one of the last campaigns that sort of came out that I worked on was for October Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and they wanted to push a new grapefruit vodka in pink drinks with the breast cancer ribbon. So, you know, we would get different accounts to promote this. And one of the accounts, I will say this wasn't something that, you know, the company promoted, but one of the accounts came up with it on their own was if you brought a copy of your appointment card or some type of proof that you had just gotten your mammogram, they would give you a free drink. <laughs> and yeah. I just remember thinking like, this this isn't for me. This isn't but where did, I want to be. But did you even know the, the, I mean, the connection then? Because the, the majority of people don't know that this is a direct, it's directly linked. Did you know yeah, at that so point? I did just because oh. I had three survivors mm -hmm. in my family. So I think I had probably done a little more research than the average person. But you want to know what's crazy? I knew that it was causing it. And I didn't, I knew that not only do I have three females on my mom's side of the family, and I knew that breast cancer was linked to alcohol and I still drank. Like it didn't, never once did I think like, I should think about myself right now and maybe not do this, mm -hmm. um, which is pretty crazy. But until then... That's when I got that like really icky feeling like, who do, who do I work for? What am I doing for a living? Is this really, yeah, it was just a really icky feeling is the greatest way I can describe it. So that was sort of on my way out. I ended up moving on to a different career just a couple weeks later. Um, but yeah, that was just shocking. And then, I mean, you can look online. I, I did a couple Google searches, you know, before we hopped on and you'll see different promotions for different wine brands, different beer, you know, there's just, it's everywhere, all the pink washing. And they, they say, you know, a dollar from every, it's funny. If you actually look, I found a statistic that if you actually look at what the brands are donating, it's like minimal. Um, I'm sure. I'm yeah, one sure. Of the large, there's like a one, a, a large brand. I think it's like white Zinfandel. It's a dollar for every like 250 cases they, they <gasps> sell, they donate $1. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They so they never so say that. shady. <laughs> I yes. can't right now. I know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then another one I saw, the total, that's what they say too. It's like a dollar for every, every bottle up to 5,000. So $5,000 in the grand scheme of things is 
nothing at all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My gosh. So just in case any listeners don't know this this stat, and there's a lot, we, we tried to figure out like what the actual stat is, you guys, and there's so many out there. And there has now been hundreds of studies on this, like basically showing that there is a direct link. But I'm just going to pull the one that I have here from the UK, from Cancer Research UK, which says around one in 10 breast cancer cases are caused by drinking alcohol. That's around 4,400 cases a year. The risk of breast cancer is increased even if you drink at low levels. And listen, Mead and I hate doing this like scare, mm-hmm. t- like the, we hate the scary stuff. Like we don't want to tell you like stop drinking because you're going to get breast cancer. That's not what we're here to say. <laughs> we're not <laughs> here to tell you to stop drinking either. Yeah. Like, right. I mean, right. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yes. Obviously. But go do your research and look at this stuff because there is evidence to support that we're not making this up. <laughs> yeah. I think too, the awareness of it is something that is Though, like, Sam, I feel for you and you're like, I mean, I knew there was a risk and I have these three survivors in my family and I still was drinking. And I, I'm i like, well, yeah, of course, because like, I, mean, I think of like myself in college, I knew that cigarette smoking was directly linked to lung cancer. Did that stop me from being a social smoker in my silly early <laughs> adult years? Yeah, absolutely not. But I also, so like I can, you know, get, yeah, totally empathize with that. But also, it's just, it all it, for me, it's like all you have to do is kind of think a little bit about it to mm-hmm. think that there could possibly be some kind of health disadvantage, if you will, for <laughs> consuming that. I mean, think about like as moms, the way we, I mean, I know like I'm crazy about sunscreen and the ingredients that go, you know, like that I'm using and it can't have this ingredient and can't have this chemical and this and that for my kids. And, but alcohol is one of those things that, I mean, I buy organic this or, you know, what, like, but alcohol is one of those things that just gets a pass. And so to your point, Christy, that we're not trying to scare anybody to quit drinking. We don't care what you, I mean, what you do. Like, I mean, we want you to be healthy, right? We love you. We want you to be healthy, but, but we want to bring awareness to where there is evidence research supporting this link in case you're asking that question or in case you are paying attention to all those things, I, I don't want you to feel duped. I felt duped by big alcohol. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of it was my my responsibility. I missed that. But I also felt super duped and taken advantage of. And that's that's where, you know, I would hate for somebody else to go years and years and go, wait, I didn't know. So yeah, do well, your own research, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I've actually asked my my Mimi, uh, that's my grandma. She survived breast cancer in the nineties. So she was, she's been involved with like the Susan G. Komen foundation since then and does a lot of volunteer work. And when I started this sobriety journey, I didn't like have a full conversation with Mimi about it, but I mentioned that I stopped drinking. She was like, okay, honey, good for you, whatever. So <laughs> she's never been a drinker ever in her whole life. So I asked her one day, I said, you know, do they talk a lot about the links between alcohol and breast cancer. And she had no idea. Mm-hmm. So this is someone who has survived breast cancer, is involved in an organization, you know, that raises money. And they're still not talking about it either. So yeah. it's just crazy that, yeah, duped is true. And I I still, it's shocking that, like, imagine if a pack of cigarettes had a label on it that said, a dollar yeah. from this pack will go toward Lung, lung cancer, cancer research. research. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like the, 
the ad that yeah. I saw on the airplane recently that I we mentioned on another episode. I yeah, mean, on the headrest. Yeah, on the headrest, the little glass of rosé and the pink can. It's and your support makes a difference. Your support makes a difference when you purchase an item on today's flight. Which, by the way, the only thing that they charge for on a flight is alcohol. Notice that they don't say. I mean, it's interesting. It's very like I, I, was like, I analyzed. I went back and analyzed it, but a portion from, you know, your purchase today will be donated to breast cancer research. What if we had, instead of that can of rosé in that picture, what if it was a pack of cigarettes and it was, instead of breast cancer research, lung cancer research? Like, I mean, think about, that's insanity. But that's that's Mm -hmm. why this is so important to talk about, not to scare people, but to like bring attention to this. Yeah, and the way that it works, right, is because alcohol, when it's metabolized in our bodies, breaks down into, I'm not going to ever say this word right, so don't make fun of me, acetaldehyde. <laughs> Acetaldehyde. I got you, girl. Okay, yeah. You. yeah. That is highly toxic, and that is the class one carcinogen, mm-hmm. right? So that's sitting in your body, so you've got that going on, which is why it's not just linked to breast cancer, right? It's linked to seven different types of cancers. But also with the breast cancer side of it, it's because of what, how it interplays with estrogen. You're exactly right. It's the hormonal part and with the breast cancer link and then also the acetaldehyde, which is more toxic than the substance of alcohol itself. And that, when I learned that, I was like, that blows my mind. And then it's the, you know, the carcinogenic contaminants that are used as part of the fermentation and production process, the asbestos and the phenols and the hydrocarbons and the nitros, say other words I can't say too. But I mean, it's all of that combined. It's just like, not only does alcohol not give me any benefit, like not do anything for me, it literally is shutting off, like it's cutting my life short. I mean, in some way, shape or form, it is. Yeah. And so many people don't know. Yeah. I think it's the majority, right? The majority of, of women don't know. At some point, like, have you have you experienced rage over this? Have you gotten like fired up and been like, I don't know, because this stuff really fires me up. It yeah. does. Uh, I think I feel a little shame that I was a part of it for so long. So I'm trying to work my way out of that as well. And it makes me really sad. My mom, so both of her sisters and her mom all ha- are survivors. So I know for a while she just feels like she's like a ticking time bomb. Like, is it going to happen to her as well? But she's still drinking. So that's, you know, that's her choice. That's, it is what it is. It just makes me kind of sad more than, more than angry actually at this point in my life. But I don't want to be like Christy at the barbecue. So, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, my girlfriend sort of know. I was telling one girlfriend what I was doing today and she had no idea either. So it comes up in, in, you know, casual conversation. I throw it out there when I can, but I haven't started standing on street corners yet with sigh. No, I don't think you should do that. I'm just wondering, like, you, yeah, I, the, you had the rage at, like, when you made the connection. Yeah. Like, when I made the connection, I was just like, gosh, we have just been lied to. Yeah. Lied to, lied to, lied to. And it's not even, it's not even just with the pink washing, right? It's just that, like, all the things that we've said 3,000 times already on this podcast and beyond is that we're just... Oh my gosh, you guys. Okay, so this just came to me. Carter was watching something on YouTube about Legos the other day. And the YouTuber, who's like some like YouTuber that all like, you know, little boys are watching both Legos, starts putting together a Captain Morgan's Lego set and then says, for your dads, this is a good one for your dads. 
to remind them, like I'm paraphrasing, but like, you know, to take a break mid build or something like that. And I oh, literally, I sat my computer down and I was like, Carter. And he's like, oh, mom, I know. And I'm like, but do you see it? Like, yeah. it's this guy is telling you that daddy should have a drink to play Legos with you. Oh my gosh. Uh, right? I can't. Sorry. Yelling. Is it just to me? Do you notice? I notice now too in how many like Disney movies there's alcohol. Just like in all the different scenes in front of the kids, like really, I see I that. Oh. oh, it's just everywhere. You would never I notice it, but yeah. Anytime what? there's like a scene of like family dinner or just like an adult, like there's so much alcohol being used in Disney movies and like like little kid Disney movies, Pixar movies. It's crazy. Oh. I see it everywhere now. Oh my oh, gosh! I think it's because oh we're out of the the that phase with our kids that we don't see um, that. But that's wild. Yeah, yeah. I see it a lot. That just blows my mind. And yet I'm like, see, this is the difference though, Sam. Like you unknowingly, like you participated, so to speak, but unknowingly, like there are people out there that are knowingly doing this. And that's where it's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. It was actually so like, if you look at the calendar of, you know, marketing campaigns, it's like, May is Cinco de Mayo. We're going to push tequila, you know, June and July is mm. coconut rum, whatever, whatever. October was, you know, pumpkin spice and pink breast cancer awareness cocktails. Can I ask a practical question about your time in that industry? How did you yeah. get work done? If you're drinking oh. scotch at 8 a.m. <laughs> yeah. So those days, that wasn't like every single day. But yeah, you just sort of had to. It, it was I think it was tough because it, yeah, exactly. Was everybody napping by noon in their offices or what? Like, I I think a lot of people started their day around, you know, four or five and worked into the evening. I was usually one that worked during the day. And it wasn't every morning that you would be doing that. But yeah, but even, yeah, but when we had those meetings, it would be like, well, my thing too is like, we all have to drive home. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 So that was another huge thing. You know, I'm thinking about like when you're hungover and you want to call in sick, it, like, is there a lot of grace for that because everybody's um, drinking or is like everybody's just a professional at that point? And it's like everybody's yeah. just, yeah. Yeah. I remember like someone very high up the corporate ladder. We had like a nationwide sales meeting and he got up in front of four or 500 people at this conference room in a big hotel in a big city. And got a like airplane bottle of coffee liqueur, dumped it in his coffee in front of the full, the whole mm-hmm. company, and we all said like cheers, and we all did it at eight thirty in the morning. Wow. So. Well, <laughs> and that's not unlike I, when I was in pharmaceutical sales. It's not unlike the big companies I worked for and the national sales meetings we went to. And and so I'm thinking about like as an everyday thing that would be so hard. But I, I mean, for sure, it like I used to be like, gosh, they are so generous giving us all of this free alcohol and it was just and it was like you know in these long sales meetings all day long you know 12 hours sitting and then they had these extravagant parties at night and then you would like party well into the evening especially in certain big cities where you just keep going and then you're going to bed maybe at like 4 a.m and then getting up at six two hours later to go start your day of meetings and I always kind of like thought like are they testing us you know and I used to like wear my badge of honor, like, yep, I can hang because I can yeah. survive on two hours of sleep and maybe I'm still really buzzed from the night before and 
going to roll into this meeting and I'm going to still do my thing. And, and so, yeah. but I only did, I could only do that for a week and then I would come home and I would be laid out for, I mean, yep. weeks from that. But yeah, to have that kind of culture, you know, in your office every day, that would be um, I think intense. when I look back just on my journey and reflecting over it, I think that that job sort of got me to the point, though, that I don't know if I would have stopped when I did without this because it sort of opened up the like dirty truth to me sort of about what yeah. alcohol could look like and like kind of showed me the ugly side. So kind of a blessing in disguise. I think when you're when you're forced to do it, it sort of loses its fun <laughs> in a way. Yeah. Like I would come home from some of these national sales meetings or like a week of like a champagne blitz where you have to go sell as much champagne as you can. And then I'd be like, I never want to drink champagne ever again because I've just been forced mm -hmm. to drink it for so many days in a row. So again, that was just like another step in my journey that <laughs> was a crazy one, but I'm sort of thankful it happened because I think it brought me to, to getting sober quicker. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys watched Painkiller on, is it Netflix? I don't know. It's the one about the Oxycontin codon, whatever, however you want to say it, like, you know, the rise and fall of the Sackler family and, and all of that horrible, horrible, horrible stuff. And one of the points of view of the show is one of the sales reps, you know, who is slowly figuring out like what actually is happening and what they're doing and that they're killing people and all of this stuff. And I got done with that, that series. And I was just like, when is this Netflix series going to do this for alcohol? Like, when mm -hmm. is it happening? And it's going to happen at some point. I don't know if it's going to be in our lifetime because they've got so much money and so much power and so much. I mean, hello, they don't even, they're not even, they don't even have to have any sort of warning labels, right? Or even ingredients on the bottles. So it's going to probably in a while, but it's the same thing, you know? Mm -hmm. I think eventually, but again, when it'll just be like cigarettes, like I'm starting to see that younger generations are like, yeah. I mean, even our generation, I don't really know many people that smoke anymore. So yeah. I think eventually it'll sort of be the same thing. Is it true, Christy, though, that over in Ireland now, they're, have you seen that at all? Like they're supposed to be putting warning labels on bottles, I saw. Yeah, yeah, they're supposed to. It's supposed to all, I think, from what I remember, be next year that they're finally getting them on there. But they've been lobbying and lobbying and lobbying. And the problem is, is that, you know, the EU is fighting so hard because obviously we have France and Italy, biggest exporters of wine, etc. So... I know they've been paddling for it, but I'm really proud of like that little green island, you know, like that's so important. I know Canada was making, you know, taking an initiative at some point to do the same and and then maybe 2017 or 2018 and then was, you know, they were shot down. But but they um, just came out and said, right, no alcohol is safe. Like what's the what's the country's like recommended drinking? And they mm. said none, which was actually huge and made so many headlines several months ago because Nobody else is saying that, right? People are saying, oh, I mean, in the overhearing let it's stupid, 14 units, whatever that means, a week, you know? But yeah, Canada's actually come out and said, oh, you want to be healthy? Like you want to drink for your health? Then don't drink. Can I go back to a part in your story, Sam? Because I just like on behalf of like moms, I don't know. I just feel this like, you know, you have a three-month-old baby and you're in the middle of the, like you're alone, alone, alone. It's hard enough when you have a new baby and then for like, I'm just, I'm so sorry. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm so sorry that you had that experience the way you did, because of course it allowed alcohol to take up space in your life in a different way. Of course it did. And of course, I mean, all of it, it's like your whole story. It's like, of course it did. And so, yeah. 
It was awful. So hard. I, my daughter just started preschool this year and we did muffins with mom a couple of weeks ago where we got to go in and have muffins uh, that they made for us. And it was kind of cool because before it started, me and nine other moms were standing in like the gymnasium. And I looked around and I was like, these are all women that had their children at the same time as me. So like it's it's a group of yes. life women that all went through what I went through. And it it, it was kind of neat. I I did make one little comment just like, because all the kids were doing so great and they're all playing together. And I remember thinking, you know, in the mm. early pandemic, like my daughter's not seeing anybody. Like, is she going to be weird? So I, I made a little comment like, Remember in the pandemic when we were all worried about how our kids were turned around and they all were like, oh my gosh, yes. So it's kind of great that I'm like meeting those other moms now and have that community of people who went through the same thing. I've just yeah. got like oh full chills with that because, oh my gosh. And I, I mean, I see, I don't know exactly your faith story, but like I just kind of see the Lord working in that perhaps like weaving that together for you and making something that was just messy and just turning it into something beautiful and like like having a posse of people who can relate and can understand. So maybe you didn't have that when she was born, but now, wow, yeah. so beautiful. I also, can I just comment too, that I love that you mentioned in your story a couple of times that like that just like inner, just I, I would call like a niggling, that little just niggling that was there that just this isn't right. Like, I don't know, I you know, whatever we want to call it, intuition, whatever. And I think about for how long in my journey I maybe had that and for how long I completely ignored it and avoided it and how long it took me to actually then be like, oh, wait, yeah, maybe alcohol is the thing. You're paying attention to that and, you know, all of it, just all of it together. I love that it brought you to a place where you found freedom from alcohol and your babies are still so young. Like, yeah, we're never gonna like grow up with you, you know, like they're not gonna know that they get you fully as you free from alcohol. And I just think what an incredible blessing that is. And kudos to you, because I think that it is really hard with the young babies to see all that you saw and had the courage to, to handle. Yeah, I'd like that we don't see a lot of people in this stage. Yeah. So yeah. it's funny yeah. you say that the the niggling or the little voice. Um, I mentioned that I didn't drink in high school because I was like really involved in youth group. I didn't actually, I didn't grow up in a religious household. I met a group of friends when I was 15 that, you know, were going to youth group and I just fell in love with it. I actually was baptized when I was 18 by my choice. So wow. that's when I like started a relationship with God. And then unfortunately, I sort of lost that for many years when I was in the drinking cycle. But now that I'm out of it and I can reflect, that's what that uncomfortable feeling was all those years. That was like my anchor. That's what I, mm. yeah, I'm just, I can reflect on it more now. And that's why that happened the way it did. If I hadn't started that journey when I was in high school, I wouldn't have had that throughout the years, you know, that I was in the drinking cycle. And that's what that uncomfortable feeling was all those years, just mm. wanting me back and <laughs> wanting me to stop doing, you know, it's living God. that life that I was living. So took a while, but <laughs> I'm glad yeah. it happened that way. I'm so, yeah. I mean, yeah, God pursuing you and all of that. And oh my gosh, that is beautiful. What do you think are some of your like top unexpected benefits slash, you know, 
realizations now that you're on the other side of the of all that? Oh my gosh. Well, sleep is what I'd like to say, but I just have young kids. So yeah, <laughs> I feel like we always talk about sleep. I did experience, you know, sleep, I think for a little bit, but then I have a three-year-old and an eight-month-old, so I don't sleep but anyway. Think about how much worse it would be if you were drinking. Oh, <laughs> I almost, yeah, the, it would be so much worse. I just like, I'm clear-headed. Mornings I get, mornings are just my favorite time of day. If I can mm. force myself to get out of bed at like five before they're awake, I get a little bit of peaceful time in the morning. My relationship with my husband's so much better. I just, even when I'm, you know, having a tough day with work or life, I just still feel pride. Like mm. that's something that'll never go away. So even when you're having a really tough day, you still have that pride that, you know. And then, like you said, me, like my, I am happy that it happened, you know, early in my children's lives. Like, my daughter was one when I stopped and it was mm. before my son was even born. So they'll never even know that. And hopefully they'll mm -hmm. grow up. We talk about future generations, maybe knowing more about the effects and hopefully that they'll see that their mom doesn't drink. So <laughs> that's huge because yeah. it's like that, that Pastor Robbie Christie, remember the, the, the sermon that came to us that we saw that said what you do in your home, our kids amplify outside mm -hmm. of the home or mm -hmm. enhance outside of them, whatever it was, mm -hmm. magnify. And so mm -hmm. your kids growing up with you as being a mom that as a non-drinker, like, ah, oh, that's just so beautiful. It's so cool <laughs> to think about. Yeah. I also mm -hmm. love, love, love what you said about the pride thing. I feel like I often describe it as confidence. And it's true. Like, even if you have a really bad day, you're doing a lot better. And we did when we were drinking every single night. And it's just so true. And it does something incredible to your pride and then something incredible to your self-confidence because then you also get to figure out like what Sam wants and what, you know, how you want to spend your time. And and one of my favorite homework assignments I ever gave to you, right, was go find some hobbies. <laughs> I didn't say it like that to her, you guys. I said it nice. But, but we were like talking like, and she was, go find some hobbies. That's yeah. um, no, I didn't. But we well, that's true. <laughs> When you start drinking, when you're 18 years old, you're yeah. becoming an adult with alcohol in your life. So now when it gets removed, you're like, wait, what do I like to do? <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I yeah. go back yeah. to like, yeah, pre-15 years old. I mean, yeah. like I started yeah. doing ceramics. <laughs> yes, girl. I love it. Yeah, like pottery. <laughs> I love it. Beautiful. It's pretty funny. Right. Yeah. Love it. It's so good. There's so many gifts. And Christy, you said too, like, so like, yeah, to punctuate that, because I think I, this is often a thought I have too, that pride or that confidence that we have in where we are. And like, I'm like, I can't believe, like, I can't believe that this is my life and I never have to drink again. Like there is just a feeling of relief. There's, I mean, all the feelings, all the, all the good ones, but also even when things are hard and now it's like, okay, you know, there's something emotional going on and I'm actually going to like sit in this emotion and I'm going to have to feel this in a way where it was very easy to just hit my little wine easy button and, you know, kick the can down the road and not have to deal with this, which meant, by the way, just push it down, push it down, push it down until it became, you know, till the Instapot hit the max pressure point and it exploded usually on my, my husband. But like, even on the hard, even in the hard things, it's like, I get to experience all the ups and downs of just being a human. And it's even when it's hard, it's so much better than before. So much better. 
And there is a confidence and a pride that comes with that because it's like, wow, like I'm actually, I'm actually doing this in a way that is healthy for me. It's better for me. And by the way, it is absolutely 100% better for everybody that I love. So what could be better? Totally. Sam, what would you tell um, a mom of tiny little babies, little kids, if they were having that like niggling feeling? There's better methods of self-care. Find (laughs) them. I mean, like now I'll just like read for 15 minutes or... I'll just be like, hey, I'm going to go stand in the shower for 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like do a face mask or something like that. And I think if you have that that feeling, like it's because you know deep down that this isn't really for you. And just taking that first step, I was so scared to do it, but it's it's the greatest thing I've ever done. And you may not sleep with little kids, but but it's still totally worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cel- celebrate your noticing that niggling because what a gift and 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 i mean i think about too that's like you know god wired us to pay attention to the signals in our bodies to clue us into you know what is right and best and so yeah like if you're starting to to that mom to you know that you're talking to who maybe has that celebrate that you're noticing that as opposed to like oh gosh because i know for me it was like oh crap i don't want to look at that but instead, if we turn to that celebration, there's something here. This is this is good. Yeah. And wine isn't. Yeah, it's not. It's not what they say with the treat yourself. You need a glass of wine. Like you're not treating yourself at all. It's making it so no. much worse and so yeah. much harder. Yeah, so much harder. Who knew? Who knew? Yeah, I know. Who <laughs> knew? We know now. Ask but who knew? For your tiny Tina, but I feel like what you just said is so beautiful about just like if you got the niggling feeling. Just pay attention to it. You know, pay attention to it. Yeah. Oh, Sam. I love you so much, girlfriend. I love you too. So so happy that you're just doing so well. I just yeah. So blessed to know you. Of course. Thank you for sharing your story. And uh we always talk about how just being able to honor and receive other people's stories in hopes that, you know, someone out there can hear themselves or something in it and go, okay, like I am not alone in this. So what I also see is that like, though you were alone as a new mom with the, and like the perfect storm that that was, then now this like beautiful full circle where you're sharing your story. And I think about how that creates that feeling of a mom out there who's feeling alone in this struggle and the over drinking cycle. And now she's like, oh my gosh, that is me. Like I hear myself <laughs> in Sam's story and I can do this too. You've just created hope for her. So thank you. All right, ladies. See you next Monday. See you Bye, later. everyone. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. You can find all of our episodes at butjesusdrankwine.com and make sure you follow us over on the gram at love life sober with Christy and mead at I'm not sober. I'm free. To learn more about what we do, you can visit our websites at meadhollandshirley.com and lovelifesober.com. Take a screenshot of this podcast and share it with a friend or two. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't have to worry about missing a single episode. And if you love what we're doing, please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. This helps more women who are feeling stuck and alone in the overdrinking cycle to find hope and encouragement. Thanks, ladies. We so appreciate you. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.